Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. So if you know, you know, and if you don't know, I'll let you into it right now. Today's episode of Retro Ups and Downs is basically going to focus on Sting. So that's right. We are Sting for the rest of this video. And as you can see, we've learned two things. One, it's really hard to do makeup. And two, I'm not very good at doing makeup. But 16 months, 16 months. That is how patient WCW was when it came to the reveal and build up of the new Sting character after he had gone, I don't want to be a surfer guy anymore. And I'm going to turn into this weird half man, half crow thing who just looks at people, but scares the absolute shit out of them. So you've got to give it to World Championship Wrestling for holding off for this long. And everybody loved it. And I wasn't joking what I said a minute ago. Sometimes on Nitro, he would just turn up and stare. But for some reason, it was the greatest thing you'd ever seen. And if you want to know how popular this was, he was the second biggest merchandise seller of this period. The first being flubbing stone cold Steve Austin. And all of this was basically the equivalent of that ninja in the Simpsons that Homer desperately wants to see, but then Marge makes him close the curtains and he isn't able to see the carnage. Every single wrestling fan on the planet knew that eventually Sting would compete in a wrestling ring and all he had to do was beat a bunch of people up. That was it. It didn't matter if he tonked them with a bat. It didn't matter if he got a gun out and started shooing people. It didn't matter if he started pulling people's underwear off. As long as when we got to the end of whatever this was going to be, Sting still came across like a badass. Everybody would have been joyous. So guess what we did? And sure, I bet you're saying, Simon, did you just say pull down somebody's pants? That sounds terrible, and you're right. But I will stand on this ground on this day and say it was still better than what WCW pulled back in 1997. And trying to figure out exactly what did happen is going to depend on whose story you want to believe. But the headlines, or so it is said, is that in the lead up to the Starcade 1997 main event for the WCW World Heavyweight Championship, Hulk Hogan and Eric Bischoff saw Sting and they were a little bit worried about what was going on in his head. Now, who even knows what that means? But if you do dig a little bit deeper, you will find out that yes, maybe, maybe Steve Borden was going through some personal problems. But even then, when it came to the story, the ending was obvious. Sting beats Hulk Hogan for the belt and then you can figure everything else after the fact. Just don't overcomplicate it and keep it simple. You already know where this is going. I mean, even if you had gone back to my aforementioned idea of a gun, people could have bought into it a little bit more. But no, we had to go for shenanigans. Because on the day, somebody went, well, I think Nick Patrick, the assigned referee for the evening, should do a fast count. Then Bret Hart can come out and say, no, this isn't fair. We'll restart the match and we'll take it from there. And I suppose that would have been okay. No, that's not true. It was utter shite. But when we actually got to this point, it somehow fell through the floor even more. But the key in everything I've just said is the fast count, right? You had to have the fast count in order to trigger this narrative into existence. And on December the 28th, we 
didn't get a fast count. Now one side will tell you that Hogan had gone into business for himself and Nick Patrick was so worried given the sway that he wields, he decided to do it. But others would say that Sting went to Nick Patrick and said, you better do the fast count. But the point was, we never got the fast count, which meant nobody knew what was going on. And essentially this was WCW at its worth, just backstabbing and politics and people not wanting to do jobs. I swear, Bill Goldberg having got hot in 1998, this would have probably been the start of the death and it certainly contributed. It's even more hard to hear when you learn that Sting was still going to kick out of that fast count, which you kind of see that he tries to do. But anyway, it did finish with Sting holding the big gold belt, but we will talk about it. Just know that it sucks. It was also terrifying news before Starcade, which was probably a sign that bad things were coming, when Kevin Nash informed WCW that he wasn't gonna be able to make the show because he thought he'd suffered a heart attack. Now, once again, there's a bunch of murmurings about this, but I do not care. Health and safety first. If your ticker feels like it's a bit weird, you go and get tests because life is important. A surprise, surprise, wrestling is not as important. But you need to put it out there because it has become this thing, whatever. Really though, the overwhelming story of Starcade is that it just wasn't what the fans wanted to see and they started to realize that maybe WCW was kindly crapping all over their faces. That's a terrible thing of me to say. I shouldn't have done it, but it is figuratively true. You could have just done the easy option, but we always had to overthink it. Still from Washington DC in front of almost 18,000 fans and with a buy rate of 1.9, which yes, was WCW's best ever, which also kind of goes to show it's Starcade 1997. Let's up those sting downs. These WCW openings, I know I talk about them all the time, but they always perplex me. I mean, maybe the WWF at the time was just better, but even after 16 months of going, Sting is coming, Sting's going to be here, what's Sting going to do? Oh my gosh, Sting is in the ring. You just get flashes of the man with some fancy music over the top. We couldn't even get a voiceover. The big story to kick things off is that nobody knows who the referee for the main event is going to be and how crap does that sound now. And you also see a bunch of WCW wrestlers sitting down in the crowd. I was like, why are they sitting down in the crowd? Why aren't they watching for backstage? Especially because Starcade 1997, as always, is just overrun with people interfering and none of these WCW guys do anything. They're like, oh well, NWO is back, but I'm eating my popcorn, leave me alone. You also get the commentary team here trying to sell a pay-per-view that you've already bought. And honestly, the intro must tick over for 10 minutes before we even get into a match. Now the good part here is that Dusty Rhodes is one of those commentators, and that always nice. But also, our opening contest is between Dean Malenko and Eddie Guerrero. And even if they had sat down and played chess, I would have enjoyed it because they're just that talented. Up. Now, I will say this is far more conservative than you may be expecting because now in hindsight, when we think of WCW's Cruiserweight division, we think of Hurricane Ranas and flips and dives and everything like that. And I presume what they had said to each other here is why don't we fight a more aggressive Japanese style, which is awesome if you're into 2021 wrestling. But as you'll quickly find out when you look at the crowd, they didn't really know what was going on. They just cheered every time they thought they should cheer. Guerrero then decided he was going to go after Dean Malenko's knees when he took the cap and he kind of put it between the ring post and the steps and then he drop kicked the steps into his poor knee and this really affected Dean. Like later on he wanted to do a back breaker but he couldn't do it. Do you want to know why? No knee. Guerrero thought this was the greatest thing ever too so he hit a frog splash onto Dean Malenko's knee and that is never a sentence I've ever said and will probably be a sentence I never say any again but it does allow him to retain the Cruiserweight Championship and I honestly believe they were such good wrestlers and they were such professionals they probably went let's just pull it back a little bit so the rest of the card can shine 
My word, was that a massive mistake? Because right here, my friends, is the highlight. And now we're about to go downhill. Because Scott Hall then made his way to the ring. WCW, back to go WCW. Now, we already talked about the fact that Kevin Nash wasn't able to do his scheduled match against Paul White, the big show, the giant, whatever the hell you want to call him. And as ever, this was the correct thing to do. Let him sort out his health. But when it came to explaining where Big Sexy was, all we got was Scott Hall coming to him going, hey, yo, man, toothpick. One more for the bad guys. Kevin's not here. You want to know why? You don't get to know why. You're like, you can't get away with that. You can't. I have spent 50 bucks or whatever the hell it was. Maybe potentially to see Kevin Nash, your tag team partner and friend. You can't just wibbly jibbly and throw things at me. I have to have a reason. So it's almost like fans starting to go, well, I'm not sure whether I'm going to buy the next pay-per-view because I can't trust the company. And of course, the giant comes out later and is like, I'm really mad that Kevin Nash isn't here. So what I'm going to do instead is powerbomb you, Scott Hall. They power bombs him. So you learn nothing during this. You had a segment to explain where Kevin Nash was, and by the end of it, you just scored Scott Hall getting power bombed. It's truly baffling, and it is so WCW it hurts, and it's getting it down. And I couldn't believe what was happening, and I couldn't believe what I was seeing, because imagine having these names on your books and deciding at your biggest pay-per-view of the year, this is what you were going to do with them. Because it was the Macho Man Randy Savage, Scott Norton and Vincent taking on the Steiners and Ray Trailer, who of course is better known as the Big Boss Man. This is one of the strangest things you will ever see in your life, down. Because Rick Steiner in the early goings is trying to throw Scott Norton around, but I think Scott Norton had decided, I don't really want to be thrown around today. So every single thing they try to do doesn't work. And the real kicker is that if I am correct in this statement, WCW never used to punish anybody. So Scotty was like, well, no one's gonna care. I can do what I want and my word does it show. Scott does far better as he gets to work with Vincent. If you know anything about Vincent or Virgil, good grief does he chuck him around like he's trying to crack his head open. And really this all comes down to the fact that Scott Steiner is obsessed with Frankensteiners and he goes for one too many. But even then, Scott Norton just walks in the ring, he grabs Scott off the top rope, throws him on the floor, all of a sudden he's woken up, and the match man's like, well, I'm on the top rope, and I hit a pretty good top rope elbow, so he does hit it, and it's the one, two, three. I mean, this goes on for around about 15 minutes, but this is all the information I'm able to give you, because there is nothing else to talk about. I wouldn't call it bad, like, it's not bad, but it's just there, and it's something that should have been on Nitro, not on Starcade, when you're at home drinking beer and pizza, like, oh, this is the best time of my life. I imagine back in 1997, people must have been oh, really worried. I think we've spent all this money for gibberish. And very sadly, you were correct. Get some more fallout from this referee nonsense afterwards because J.J. Dillon walks out with Mean Gene Oakland who will kill you inside because he honestly goes, you should call the hotline. What's the hotline? The hotline. Call the hotline. Give me money. Call the hotline. And the point is we have crowned or coronated, whatever the right word would be, our referee for the evening. And it's going to be Nick Patrick. No, you just start thinking, can we change the rest? Can we get anybody else? But no, because that's not how life works. Bill Goldberg was then here, and it truly is a sight to see. Because his music hits, and nobody makes any noise. Because of course, it's December 1997, and 1998 was going to be his year. But we're so used to hearing, oh my God, it's Bill Goldberg, when you don't. Well, you're worried that you're dead. And look, let's not pretend otherwise. His streak was absolutely brilliant because he was just like a train running through people. But I do think that we misremember these days. Not every one of these matches was very good. Sometimes it was more of a train wreck 
Example or case in point here, when he takes on Steve Mongo McMichael, and oh my word, absolutely terrifying. Now the first error is that he goes over six minutes, which is what nobody wanted to see Goldberg back then, and nobody wants to see in Goldberg right now. But he was also super green, but the problem was that Steve McMichael was also super green, so now you have two deer in the headlights kind of just standing looking at each other, the results are exactly what you think. Now, I don't want to be too harsh because they always say wrestling is really difficult and hell, I had a match last week and something went awry in my contest and I just froze like this, like I was some kind of terrified ninja warrior because it does happen, but it's vastly different when you're watching it on a major produced pay-per-view. It just makes you feel so awkward inside like you're watching an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm. But they brought outside for ages because I assume they want to add time to the pay-per-view because the Kevin Nash match wasn't on it. When Bill Goldberg sets out a table, and he punches Mongo through it. And Mongo kind of just goes, oh no. And he like lays on it like it's a pillow. And the table breaks. The crowd doesn't make any noise. Some people start chanting, easy dub, easy dub. I'm sorry, you cannot see easy W. If you think this is the same thing, I want to be as nice as I can. So come in close, we'll just whisper it. It's really embarrassing. I mean, I've honestly never seen anything so pointless in my life. And then Steve McMichael goes to hit a flipping tombstone pile driver on Goldberg. And thank Flubbins, he doesn't. Goldberg hits the spear. Mongo kicks out of that. So that goes to show how early we are. Then he hits the jackhammer. One, two, three. But even then, you get like some polite applause. People have no idea what they're in for. Still, we've got to call a spade a spade, and we've got to be honest. This really was not pretty, and I never want to watch it again as long as I live. Down. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful, too, for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help? a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. 
Madness was the word of the day when it came to Starcade 97 too. Because if I told you the next match was Perry Sand versus Chris Benoit, you would go, well, that's surely going to get an up. That sounds like a delight. Well, I'm going to take the finger of power and surprise you all, because this is getting it down. And the reason for that is that despite the fact there is some really good wrestling in this, we have around about 47,539 run-ins. Because there's so many run-ins on this show and so much shenanigans, after all, you're just shaking your head like, I can't get into this. You are destroying my emotional investment, why do you hate me? The narrative is also kind of dumb here because Raven had kept getting out of the way of fighting Chris Benoit to the point WCW had gone, right Raven, you have to fight Chris Benoit on the pay-per-views. Once again, you get your wallet, you pay your money and then you see Raven come to the ring and says, nope, I'm not going to do it because in my WCW contract, it says I can fight whoever I want, wherever I want and I'm saying no. I was like, why would WCW grow? Who do you think you are, Hulk Hogan? No. As it turns out, Perry Satin is his substitute because, of course, Perry was in Raven's Flock, which is a great group, by the way. I loved it then and I love it now. And while they do start this frantic pace, I swear this whole evening was then just cursed because they start dropping each other. I don't know if they were super duper sweaty or if one of them had overshowered, but it's just like they can't grab them like they're a wibbly wibbly world. Raven's Flock then starts interfering like if they don't, they're going to die. Then a real fight breaks out the crowd so the audience turns around because they're more interested in that. Perry Satin does this dive thing magic and lands right on his knees because nobody catches him. Once again, nothing went right on Stargate 97 despite the entire planet being excited about it. Benoit does do this super impressive headbutt but even that nowadays is hard to watch for obvious reasons. And then eventually Raven's flock is back they basically just beat the hell out of Benoit. Satin applies the rings of Satin and Benoit submits. Now that was kind of interesting because I was like, I don't remember Chris Benoit ever submitting but i think even he knew deep down nobody is ever going to remember this fast so it's just too much it's just too much and it doesn't really tick any of the wrestling tick boxes that you'd expect that's why i had to give it a down as was lex luger versus buff bagwell and do not forget as i've already said wrestlemania and starcade were meant to be on the same level but on this night wcw just did not know what they were doing which was nuts because when it came to World Championship Wrestling, you always knew the main events may be a bit hit and miss, but the undercard always rocked. But when it came to here, nope. The crutch of this one too is that Buff Bagwell had been able to get a bunch of wins over Lex Luger, but every single one had been a fluke. So you think we would have tried to have done something with that here, which we do when it came to the finish, but the middle portion, I don't even have any words to give you because they don't do anything. Luger slams Bagwell down, he walks around for a while, he picks up Bagwell, he slams him down, he walks away for a while, it's like a dance. Look, it's like I'm doing some kind of polka here, and that would have been more entertaining. Bagwell also spends all of his time doing that grimace that he used to do, and surprise, surprise, just when he is on top, he calls out Vincent because we haven't had enough NWA interference on this night. And because they do get into it, the referee then gets bumped. I was like, how can we have anymore. Why can't I have a clean win? It's almost like this is what WWE uses for its Monday Raw template. With no official, Luger gets the visual win because he does apply the torture rack, but then Macho Man Randy Savage is out here and he sucks because he gets in the ring and he goes right into the torture rack too. But then Scott Norton is here as if it's just a bunch of James Bond villains. He finally takes Lex Luger out and he just picks up Bagwell and throws him over him, meaning Bagwell does get another win over Lex. But yes, tying into earlier, it's just a massive fluke. When this was done, I actually felt happy that I will never have to see it again because believe you me, I ain't never put it back on. The ending to this is really funny though because do you know how Scott Norton takes out Lex Luger? He hits him with a dog collar that we are told he stole 
from Rick Steiner. So what he did, like sneak into his locker room and go, tee I've got it. And then he ran to the ring. What is this, kitty hour? Stupid down. So he's just dumb. He's just really, really dumb. But thankfully, right after this, you get Kurt Henning taking on DDP for the United States Championship. And this one was actually pretty good. Now this of course is due to the fact that both guys are great, but it's also a moment on Starcade where you get a little bit of joy because DDP does indeed win the United States Championship. One of the major issues with the whole NWO angle is they just won and they beat up, they won and they beat up, they won and they beat up. And after a while you wanted to see the supposed good guys start to fight back, but they never did. That's one of the reasons the New World Order got so bloated when it came to numbers, because wrestlers would go to Eric Bischoff and say, um, I'd rather be on your side because you whip everybody's ass why on earth weren't we trying to inject fun into the fans faces the best thing about watching ddp matches now too is knowing that back in the day he used to meticulously script out his contest like move by move by move by move on a piece of paper and then give it to his opponent now this is kind of crazy because obviously mr perfect was one of the masters of going to the ring and just listening to the crowd but it still works because again they're both so damn talented the finish is cool too because henny keeps going for the perfect plex but as will become a staple for DDP, he just finds ways to transmission and reverse before he hits the diamond cutter. That actually gets a cheer. The first is like, what was that? What was that noise? Oh, it's a cheer. This is the second best thing on the show. And then I mean, what, how, who fathomed this would be a good idea? And I don't even know. Because despite being the hottest wrestler on the planet, given what had happened only a month ago, Bret Hart walks down a WCW rampway to participate in a match as a referee. I felt personally offended what the flub is going on. Maybe this would have been alright if he was calling a classic, but no, he is calling Larry Sabisco versus Eric Bischoff in Eric Bischoff's first ever in-ring pro wrestling contest. Somebody once said that WCW wouldn't know what to do with a Bret the Hitman Hart that somebody was 100% correct. Now, fair play to Eric Bischoff, because one, he always played his role brilliant on TV. He was one of the best things that WCW had. And also, two, given this is his first ever wrestling match, he does a really good job. However, do I ever need to see Larry Zbysko versus Eric Bischoff? I asked my brain, I said, oh, blah, 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 blah. the answer is no. The best part about all of this when you do do your research is that you can find out that WCW had given away the result to this after a caption had appeared in a magazine that came out before Starcade. Not only did it tell you who was going to win, but it also said, oh, Starcade, the best ever bought WCW pay-per-view ever. Now that would go on to be true, but they didn't know that before the event had happened. I think this is yet more evidence that World Championship Wrestling was insane. None of this really clicks though, mostly because we had to pretend and tease that maybe Bret Hart was going to go bad guy. And once more, nobody wanted to see Bret Hart as a bad guy in 1997. We all felt sorry for this man. He should have been the goodest of good guys, but no. The finish is absolutely crazy too, and I probably can't even recount it to you properly, which sums the thing up. But Scott Hall is out there, obviously, and I think he put something in Eric Bischoff's shoe, and then he kicks Larry Zabisco, and you think he's gonna win but then Bret Hart goes no I don't want him to win so Zabisco is the victor I don't even know that's probably not even accurate I watched it and I gave up making notes because it was just absolutely ridiculous and I remember the one day I'm going to die and I want to enjoy my precious moments on this planet and that was not contributing to this 10 minutes this went to 10 minutes just for a guy to go ah screw it I reversed the decision
out. And talking about things that did not work, we do get to our main event. I think it's really important to remind ourselves, as I've already stated, the simple things in wrestling usually work. When you start to overcomplicate and when you start to overthink, you also confuse the fans who sometimes just want to sit there and have easy information thrown at their face. Sting versus Hulk Hogan for the WCW World title. I mean, it is just bad. Because everybody just did want to see Sting whip Hulk Hogan's ass and then go home with the belt. That was it. We waited 16 months. The build had been perfect. The build had been brilliant. Everybody was behind him. As we've already seen, he's been selling a bunch of merch. But instead, we just took the most convoluted path ever. And by the end of it, people don't even cheer for the Stinger because they don't really understand what's going on. There's not even that much to say because it all ties into the story that was happening backstage or the fact Hogan had gone, I don't want to do anything that makes me look weak, brother. So he just proceeds to kick Sting's ass for ages. And even Sting kind of feels like he doesn't want to be here. I'm like, why don't I spend my money, if it was 1997, if you don't care, how can I? You do need to watch this because you will be in tears when Hulk Hogan gets whipped into the barricade because he takes it as if he thinks it's a pillow. Just walks over like, oh, and he falls like, oh, no, I can't believe. And it just looks so weak. And then that finish, that damn finish. You know the deal, of course, but it's worse when you see it. Hogan just drops the leg and he pins him. One, two, three. You see Sting try to kick out, but he doesn't. I don't know whether Hulk Hogan held him down. Who the hell knows? And this was meant to be a fast count, but it absolutely was not. It's like... That is not fast at all. So when Bret Hart comes out and goes, no, man, I'm not going to accept this. I think it's crack. Like, what are you talking about, Bret? Are you on drugs? Nothing happened. Fans are also audibly disappointed because the last thing they wanted was Hulk Hogan to win. But even then, Bret grabs Hulk. He throws him in the ring. He restarts the match. And then, sure, Sting does get the victory. But can we even call it that? Like, does it feel like a celebration? The answer is absolutely not. Also, imagine if you'd never watched wrestling before and this was your first night, you would think Bret Hart was a referee and that makes me feel sad in my tum-tum. And of course, before Sting does win, we have about 9,241 NWO run-ins, but now Sting somehow is able to fight everybody off. And this gets even more strange because afterwards, all those WCW guys that were sat in the crowd come in to go, oh yeah, Sting, you did it. You're like, why didn't you help him when the new world order was running in? There's just too many questions and none of these were ever going to be answered. So I will do my best to sum it up now and say it doesn't just get a down, it gets the brown down. And I will give you a second opinion, courtesy of Dave Meltzer from his Wrestling Observer newsletter so you can at least understand what other people were saying. Eddie versus Dean got two and a three quarter stars. The NWO versus WC Tag got half a star. Goldberg versus Mongo got minus one star. Sam versus Benoit got half a star. Bagwell versus Luger, half a star. DDP versus Hennig, two stars. He agrees with me. And this is the best one, right? Larry versus Eric, a quarter of a star, which is the same as Sting versus Hulk Hogan, a quarter of a star. So if we were going to take these at face value, you would tell someone that Larry Zbyszko versus Eric Bischoff was as good as Hulk Hogan versus Sting. All of this, of course, means that overall, Starcade 1997 does get a down. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.